This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. It is another episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. I am Christy Mullen, and I work here at New Memphis. If you're taking count of how many times I get to say Memphis at the top of this episode, (laughs) guess what? It's not enough because I love this city. But today I am joined by my special guest co-host, Anna Thompson. Good morning, Memphis. Happy Tuesday. Yeah. So, guys, today we are bringing you two wonderful Memphians that represent two incredible organizations in our city. Up first, get ready as we tackle, you know, all things transportation, which we know is an important subject for our city, with Downtown Memphis Commission's Transport Program Manager, Lauren Bermudez. And a little later, we will have the Memphis Grizzlies. You know them, you love them, but did you know that they are much more about the game of basketball? So to tell you more will be Tiffany Morrow, their Senior Manager of Mentor Memphis Grizzlies at the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. So, A.T., I just said a whole mouthful about some amazing stuff that's happening today. I think the biggest take, uh, the thing that our listeners should be excited for today is that something isn't necessarily what it seems. Yes. Because for transportation in Memphis, I feel like a lot of people don't notice anything when it's going right. But when it's going wrong, you are... It's all you notice. It's all you notice. (laughs) And the same thing... For the Grizzlies, I feel like the Grizzlies are known for basketball, obviously, that grit and grind, but Mm -hmm. they are so much more. We actually have a very unique foundation here that is unlike any of the other NBA foundations. And so I'm excited to have Tiffany talk about all the ways in which we are pouring back into our community and how they are unique. Yes, I think that is something that is a perfect point because Memphis, oftentimes I feel like we get so used to living here and calling this amazing city home, we forget truly how unique we are. Like, we are bringing some really cool and innovative ideas and planning and just straight-up action to the table. And I think that's something we sometimes take for granted. So I think we should just jump into the episode and let the people hear the good stuff. I'm excited. I think everybody's going to like it. Yeah, let's go. All right. Hello, Lauren. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks. Excited to be here. You just took a nice little stroll down from the DMC to it the did. New Memphis office. It did. I walked over. It was great. Yeah. So let's start with first things first. I always like to start off this way because not everyone listening knows who you are. So tell us, who are you? How did you get to Memphis? Right. Hi. Well, um, I'm Lauren Bermudez. I am the Transportation Program Manager at the Downtown Memphis Commission. And uh, I'm from Middle Tennessee originally, but lived in... The Memphis region, uh, went to U of M, you know, go Tigers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I left for a little while, um, uh, went up to the Midwest and then came back as, you know, Memphians tend to do. Mm, I love so it. Yes. I am a returned Memphian, but, um, yeah, I work in transportation, specifically, uh, mobility access, pedestrian and bicycle safety and education and, uh, infrastructure. Awesome. So, Let's focus in a little bit on that, because if anyone is kind of like me, I don't have a big frame of reference for transportation. I know it's important. I know I need it to get around. Sure. But, you know, what does it mean to be a transportation program manager? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it can mean a lot of things. Um, For me, I know that transportation is really, really personal to every person uh, who I talk to. So, you know, you might not think about anything other than getting in your car every day, but you'd probably have opinion on traffic or, (laughs) 
an opinion on parking or if you ride a bike or if you walk around your mm-hmm. neighborhood. You've definitely interacted with your environment. So transportation is really personal. Um, what specifically I do is look for solutions to get people around easier. You know, whether that's you taking the bus and getting to your bus stop or having a more hospitable experience when you're waiting, or if that's, you know, you're riding your bike through your neighborhood or to work, if you commute by bike, or if you drive your car, like making sure that if you need to drive, there's a place for you to park and it's convenient and easy and it's a reasonable price. Love all of those things. Yeah, it's, it's stuff that I think is inherently like you would know if it wasn't going well, but yeah. when it is going well, you kind of just take it for granted. Right. I feel like it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this is not your first role in like transportation and mobility, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you were previously at MMDC? Yeah. I was at the Memphis Medical District Collaborative working with them for a year and a half when I came back to Memphis. Um, that was starting in 2019. And I did similar work there in the medical district working with the meds and eds, the anchor institutions <laughs> there. Uh, so we worked on mobility planning for each campus. Um, and that includes things like how to get around scooter and bike mobility, uh, walking safety, you know, access to parks, and then even things beyond what you would consider, you know, typical from here to there transportation work. Like, uh, where can you go? Is there entertainment? Is there restaurants? You know, are yeah. there things that you want to see and do that are accessible to you in your neighborhood? That all plays a part in uh, the types of transportation work that we do collectively here in Memphis between the DMC, MMDC, and different partners. Yeah, I so, love that they're all partnering together. Yeah, um, so I'm curious, how what interested you in this type of career? Like, how do you like get in? This is one of those yeah. unique careers yeah. that I feel like a lot of people don't even know exist. What's the trajectory yeah. for transportation yeah. career? Well, I think most typically you'd be like a transportation planner, which I'm okay. specifically not, or I'm not specifically a planner. I don't have a planning uh, degree, but I have a public administration degree. Okay. And I, I really got into this work from, uh, from a hobby. I loved riding my bike. I did it at U of M in college. I would bike to campus from uh, nearby and then later lived in Cooper Young and would bike down Southern to get to the school. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I just, I made a lot of friends in the biking community. And um, after school, after I graduated, I moved to Chicago for fun on a whim. Uh, As one does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was a pretty crazy decision. Um, it was, it, it was tough because I also moved in February and Chicago's very cold. Yeah. If you've heard about that. So Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was shocking. <laughs> um, but from there, I kind of found myself in a job that was a seasonal summer position doing bike and pedestrian safety and education and public outreach. So working with kids in parks, doing safe routes for schools, Um, working public events and just talking to people about, you know, how they could change their life by getting around by bike or walking, not having to pay for a car note and things like that, that, you know, there's more than one way. Uh, And it was really fun. So I took that hobby of mine, uh, cycling and turned it into a career path. That seasonal position turned into a full-time position, which turned into Um, a management role. And then I ended up getting my uh, public administration degree working for a a civil engineering firm 
and uh, eventually got hired to come back to Memphis, which was kind of the goal to come back after a few years. You achieved wow. it. Yeah. Yes. So, I like, <laughs> I think it's really cool that you kind of turned your hobby into a career because I feel like people are always like, go turn your passion into a career. And it's like, yeah, okay, how? Yeah. Um, and you're a prime example of how one can take something they maybe didn't intend to go into completely, but it was something you were right. inherently interested in. So what made you bring this love of this work to the Downtown Memphis Commission? Well, it's something, I mean, it was kind of a natural fit. Um, when I was working with MMDC, we were already talking with the Downtown Memphis Commission about how to alleviate kind of parking bottlenecks mm -hmm. and sort of the transportation like lightning rods, the things that people get really irked about or <laughs> upset about. <laughs> You know, and how do we how do we solve for these problems in Memphis? Traffic, congestion, parking demand before it gets really bad, because then it's too late. You mm -hmm. know, if if we've turned into Nashville or another city that's, you know, one of our sister cities where you can't ever park, you can't ever get anywhere. Yeah. It's just a headache to go out. Then, like, you know, it's kind of hard to go back to reverse yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. So the DMC was already asking these questions. How do we how do we use our uh, limited land use, you know, our limited our limited land supply to the best of our abilities? How do we not sacrifice, you know, the, the amenities that we love about downtown, mm -hmm. access to the river, you know, being able to walk down Main Street, being able to hang out and see people, and these, like, chance encounters that you get to have when you're downtown um, that kind of represents all of Memphis. And if it's just you know, if we're just continuing to build more parking, then we're going to lose a lot of these things. So the DMC is thinking about this and MMDC is already working with some transportation initiatives. And it was a natural fit to go and work for the DMC with the planning department there and uh, figure out how to scale up some of the work that we were yeah. already doing as partners. It seems like a natural fit to me. Yeah, it's really <laughs> interesting too that something you said that it's not just like a simple solution of right. like just build more parking garages. Right. Like, there you go. That, that would never solve. work. Right. <laughs> so I think it, that's a would be a common misconception for somebody who's just like just now starting to like think about transportation and mobility. You're yeah. just like, well, just make more parking available. Right. Like it's not that simple. Like, yeah. It's very nuanced. Right, because if you just continue to build more, eventually you run out of your supply. You know, you can't c just continue to keep building and building, or then you have, you know, your concrete, you know, parking lot for yeah. a whole downtown. And also, you know, parking's not the enemy and driving's not the enemy, but it's not the solution for everyone mm -hmm. either. And we don't want to force that. Mm -hmm. You know, we want you to have a choice. You That's one of the great things about you know, where we are and who we are and Memphis in general and the United States is that you can choose. So yeah. if you want to go out on a bike, if you want to ride a scooter, if you want to walk, if you want to take a bus or drive a car, you should be able to do all those things. Agree. Like, I feel like that really plays into kind of, you know, downtown Memphis always says like a downtown for everyone. Yeah. And it kind of shows you like why you kind of touched on a little bit, but like why it's so important to, you know, focus on transportation and mobility. And when you're trying to make that phrase an actual reality. Yeah. So I think that just kind of builds upon, you know, 
all of those things, like the accessibility, you have walkability, you have paths that are being created. Right. And so I feel like I have to ask, what is your favorite? I feel like it's going to be biking because yeah. you brought that up already. But like, what's your favorite way to get around downtown? Oh, man, it changes. I walk a lot downtown. I um, have lived downtown for the last couple of years. I've recently just moved to Midtown, though. Oh. Um, I love so. how you say that. Like, hush, hush. Yeah. Like, like, don't Sorry, tell anyone. Downtowners. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like this weekend. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I walk a lot. I walked over here from the DMC office uh-huh. today. Um, so I love that, you know, downtown is just, it has enough density of places that you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do bike in Memphis uh, a lot. You know, my husband and I, we have one car. We're a single car family. So we share the car, but mostly he drives it because he works farther out. Um, so that's convenient for him. And then um, I take the bus. So oh, I wow. actually really, really love public transportation. <laughs> um, I love to be able to not have to focus on traffic in my morning commute because I like to read the news on my phone or drink mm-hmm. a coffee or just kind of have that just moment yeah, yeah, to be. relax in between leaving home and arriving at work. And I get to just kind of chill out and take a breath for a minute and then I'm at work and I'm calm yeah okay talk to me about this for a minute because I feel like there is a negative stigma about public transportation in Memphis so talk to me about how this is like your happy place because I feel like that is you makes you kind of a unicorn from people Uh who are a very shallow perspective of public transportation I don't necessarily think it's shallow I think that you know maybe people who have negative connotations or associations or that stigma around public transit um, we see that. We see that a lot. And it's not just in Memphis. You know, that's, mm-hmm. right. that's everywhere. There's no, no. ideas about who is using public transportation. Why isn't someone in a car? What does that mean? You know, but <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's great. You know, I, I love being able to people watch on a bus. <laughs> so I true. love, you know, again, not having the responsibility of being in the driver's seat literally mm-hmm. and getting to relax and use that time. Or however I want to use it. It's precious time in my day. Um, and so I think I think if you are not sure about it, um, you know, the way I learned to ride a bus was <laughs> I uh, chose a place that I wanted to go. It was uh, I decided to go to a museum one day and figured out my route from home to the museum location. And uh, that was it. That was it. It was low pressure. It was not a work trip. If I got freaked out or if I missed yeah. my bus or something like that, no <laughs> pressure. You know, there was nothing riding on it. And um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that a lot. You know, um, it's transportation. How are you not yeah, going to make one? I know. It's, there's a lot of transportation <laughs> puns and idioms. Um, but yeah, it was it was like a really low stakes trip. And it was just to get me oriented uh, with how to use a bus, how to pay and things like that. And, you know, where do I want to sit and things yeah. like that. And ever since that trip, it was really simple, really easy, straightforward. So I got more and more comfortable. And now I've been riding the bus for years. I find that so interesting. I love it. The I like what you said about, like, if you don't know how to do something, then just learn. Like, try yeah. to familiarize yourself. If you can, take baby steps. And eventually it'll be, again, puns, like riding a bike. But, yeah. like, it, you will grow in your confidence on how to do something the more totally. you do it. So just, like. Yeah. And you don't have to do it every day, yeah. you know. Like, if you are thinking about changing up your commute 
pattern. Maybe you're thinking about it from like a financial perspective to save money. Like I said, we have one car, so that's uh, really convenient for our household that we don't have to pay for like registration and taxes and gas, gas. and a car a, note yeah. for a whole second vehicle. Um, and, uh, and I love our car, by the way, because we have like a Honda and it's a CRV and it's fun and I feel really good when I drive it. Uh, but this podcast is not sponsored by <laughs> Honda. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, when I get in my car, it feels like a yeah. treat too. You know, it feels good. Yeah. Um, so like you can love your car, but you can also make maybe switch up your commute once a week. That's a 20% change in your commute lifestyle if yeah. you're doing it one out of five days a week, you know. I think people forget to look at it as like a choice you can make. I yeah. think so many people, you know, there obviously there's people who need our public transportation system out of necessity. Right. But then there's others who do have access to like a vehicle or whatever. And I forget they for, forget that they can make the option to choose. They yeah. don't have to drive. Yeah. Um, and our city kind of allows for that. Right. And it's actually really relaxing to just get somewhere and then just walk off the bus and that's it. You're I'm not there. worried about parking. I don't have to pay. I don't have to circle and find a spot, which yeah. you should not be doing anyways. <laughs> Park in a garage. But um, yeah, it's 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 really, uh, like I said, the responsibility is, is much easier when you just get off and walk away. That's something to tell someone like me who is mm -hmm. like the person, if I have to go to a location, the first thing I'm doing is researching where I can park. Sure. <laughs> like yeah. truly, like hashtag anxious. But, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Parking is a big thing. And to your point downtown, we have the luxury. I don't know if it's a luxury, but like I think it is in our city. We have lots of parking garages and stuff. So yeah. in terms of our city, like how does Memphis stack up to other cities in terms of comparatively actually of transportation yeah well i'll start with parking again our, our parking is relatively cheaper than you know the average hourly rate downtown per day is cheaper than i think most of the cities around us and i'm thinking atlanta birmingham nashville st louis mm -hmm. new orleans they all have a they all have a higher hourly rate and I'm, I'm thinking of like downtown near City Hall yeah. as a kind of a kind of a comparison location. So we're pretty cheap for parking. Um, we love to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> people like that. And it's a good and bad thing because you have to think about where is that money going to go? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if parking revenue just goes into a kind of general fund and, and, and we don't know what it gets spent on, that's not great. But if we are able to reinvest parking, uh, parking revenues from from paying for parking back into mobility. So back into making sure our parking garages are nice and safe and well lit or putting them at, putting that money into bike lanes or into sidewalk repairs and yeah. things like that. Then maybe you can get behind raising your parking by 25 cents for yeah. an hour or something like that. I think, I think that goes back to, too, like what you talked about earlier, like the choice and that it is for many, uh, you know, the goal is that it is a choice in our city to be accessible like that. So, Talk to me a little bit about some of the <laughs> things that are going on at DMC. Like, so Groove On Demand, right? right? That is a new choice. Yeah, so that's another thing. How do I get my Groove On? <laughs> yeah, you should be getting your Groove On. <laughs> so uh, Groove On Demand is a really cool project between the Downtown Memphis Commission and the Memphis Area Transit Authority. Um, it is transit, but it works and feels like a shuttle that comes on demand, hence mm -hmm. the name, when you want it, where you want it. Uh, but within the boundaries of Monday through Friday <laughs> from 7 a.m. <laughs> to 9 p.m. 
Uh, and it operates within 12 square miles uh, downtown and the surrounding neighborhoods, mm. including Soulsville, New Chicago. Um, so around downtown mm-hmm. and the medical district um, in the north and south. But uh, it's it's really cool. It's $1.25 per ride. Your first 10 rides are free. Ooh. Yeah. But it is priced like transit. So after those 10 rides, you're paying $1.25 per trip, no matter how far you go. So just like if you got on a bus and paid your dollar mat affair right now um so yeah grieve on demand very cool uh you use an app or you can call on the phone to uh to hail your ride so if you've ever used lyft or uber i compare it to that as well it feels like a shared lyft Mm. or a shared uber they're really nice vans they're branded they have the groove on demand logo they're like green and so blue. you always know you're being picked up by like someone legit yeah <laughs> yeah they're cool they're they're nice new vehicles i think they're like 2021 chrysler pacificas okay. specifically yeah Hey-o. so fancy i'm so proud of you for knowing that <laughs> off the top of your head oh yeah <laughs> um yeah and uh, you you use the app to it picks you up and then it drops you off so it's yeah. really straightforward and simple so you guys grew on demand. We've seen all the cool advertising. Mm-hmm. Penelope like loves it. Who yes. is over at DMC? <laughs> um, y'all also though have been in the news fairly recently about the downtown Memphis parking garage and retail center that the, got yeah. approval, right? The mobility center. Yeah. Yes. So that is a big project that's going to be happening. Uh, hopefully, we'll be starting construction next year, early next year, first wow. quarter. Um, and this is, we're taking a surface parking lot and we're turning it into mixed use retail and parking. So we're taking essentially what's just, you know, a paved square on the ground uh, and a prime location downtown next to uh, Beale Street and next to the Orpheum right there at Front and Main uh, and uh and Beale. That is a prime location. Yeah. And then we're, you know, going to build up and, uh, you know, make that spot a little bit better use. In terms of like retail, like, is that, do y'all have vendors in mind or is it something people will be able to like apply to be a part of? Like, how will that work? That's a good question. And I think we're still figuring out some of there, those you final haven't even details. Built yet, yeah. You know, we're not fine. in the building phase yet, but <laughs> We'll get it. We'll get it built, and then we'll and then we'll and then we'll fill it up. Fill it up. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Love that perspective. That's exciting. I feel like it goes back to too what you said earlier about it's not just about like getting from point A to point B. It's making sure that like there are things to do when you get to yes. point B. Yeah. Exactly. And so that not that there's not already stuff to do at that very prime location, but right. to add to it, and so yeah. to add to that attraction is exciting. Right. So it's really important. That's another big downtown Memphis Commission initiative is is blight reduction. So Mm -hmm. filling in the empty, the gaps between buildings where there might be an empty storefront or something like that. And making sure that as you're walking or biking or whatever, you get to your parking garage, you have to walk to get to where you're going next. So making sure that you have an interesting experience and that there's things to see and do. And maybe you take a you know detour into a shop or something like that that's good for the local economy small businesses as well so if i was to say like say i invited you back and we were having this conversation three to five years from now yeah ideally your dream scenario right where would we Uh be at i mean we we would just be i think further along what we've already been talking about so we're already we're already doing so much downtown we have a lot of initiatives for um you know, grants and incentives for yeah. storefront development. So we would have those missing teeth in our downtown storefronts. <laughs> those would be filled 
you know. We would have a lovely full smile. Yeah, <laughs> vibrant businesses, interesting things to do, small little park areas for you to hang out, have that chance encounter with someone that you see along your way, um, and easy access to mobility. So maybe, maybe you get to walk downtown, maybe you get to bike. If you park, once you get out of your garage, there's mm -hmm. multiple different ways of getting you to your next location so you don't have to get back in your car and then drive yeah. again and then find another parking spot just to go see something else downtown and then you know there's there's this concept of like 15 minute cities where pretty much everything you need every type of amenity is within a 15 minute walk of your location Ooh. so whether that's your work you can have a opportunity to work and live in downtown mm -hmm. um it could be a grocery store, which I know there's plans for grocery stores yeah. already that are happening in downtown. That's exciting, too. So That's, just, yeah. yeah, you want to be able to access those things. You know, living downtown is already great. It has been great for me. I can go to the pharmacy. I can go to the <laughs> little market and get milk or whatever, yeah. eggs, you know. So just more things like that. Yeah, it's all about making a better, more accessible Memphis, which I think right. is a wonderful thing. I don't think anyone would disagree Right. There. Yeah. But I feel like I have to ask you, as someone who works for the Downtown Memphis Commission, very basic question, but also it's always so hard to answer and pick just one. What is your favorite, mm. favorite thing downtown? Ooh, <laughs> that's hard. I know. I told you simple, but not. Yeah, not simple. Um. That's a good question. We kind of were talking about this in a staff meeting last week, and I really love Court Square, the park yes. there, the fountain. Right here, right out in front of yeah. you know, our building. Yeah. It's Food so beautiful. Thursday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got married in the park oh. there during the pandemic, so outdoor pandemic wedding. You know how it goes. Oh, yeah, no, that's wonderful. But Congrats. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so it's I love that park. Um, people watching, looking it's at the fountain. It's a great park. Yeah. Yeah. It's We're, a great place to just go take your lunch, period. Mm -hmm. It is, just to get out, like, yeah, and yeah, just be and, outside. And it's also, beautiful. oh, I got to talk about more parks. Fourth Bluff. Yes. And yoga yes. in the park there. Yes. Oh, my gosh, it's so great. It's also free. Yeah, like, it's free. You can't, that's my favorite price. Like, you can't really <laughs> beat favorite it. Price. Yeah. 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 Like, Actually, yeah, I'll just say the parks in general, because now I'm thinking of Mud Island and yeah. all the other parks. Well, I parks. think people forget about the green space. We, I mean, mm -hmm. Memphis has a lot of green space yeah. in totality, more than most cities. Yeah. But our downtown still has green spaces. And I think that is one thing when I think about Memphis as a city that when I have visited other cities, I'm like, there is not any green space. Like, right. where is the grass? Right. I I feel claustrophobic yeah. um so i think that's something to be celebrated for us totally and protected yes protected Don't at all costs turn it into yes. a parking lot <laughs> i know right yeah i'm like do not pave paradise and put up a parking lot i, okay. I, was, I, was, I was waiting that song. i was waiting for it i knew it was coming somebody Christy. had to drop a lyric i'm I know. sorry i knew it was coming uh. well okay i had so many questions for you we have tackled i feel like so much but biggest question if people want to learn more about this work where can they go to learn more about the Downtown Memphis Commission and specifically how can they learn more about transportation and what they may be able to do to help? Yeah, it's all online at downtownmemphis.com. Awesome. So really straightforward, easy to remember website. Great. <laughs> and if you want to download the Groove On Demand app, yeah. just Google Groove On Demand Memphis uh, and you'll find it. And it's, you know, right there in whatever app store Ooh, yeah. you use. Yes. <laughs> Guys, but but make sure you choice. specifically do Groove On Demand Memphis 
because there is a groove on demand app, but I think it's uh, not specific and it's like a body like I was like is it a dance class. app yeah, it's like it? a dance class so you could do that too I, I feel guess. like your driver from Groove on a Man should have to step out of the car and do a dance to prove that your sure. ride is here that's yeah. all they tell you what is it that like uh what is that game show I'm thinking of the cab with the tr- uh, cash cab oh cash cab yeah. yes I was like I feel like that's what like I'm imagining Groove on that a Man that used to be one like... of my dreams was to be in the cab I mean I, I'm never in a position to take a cab like ever um but if I was like I was like I'm just gonna I know it I'm gonna yeah. get in the cash cab I'm ready ready for the Cash. I would ready for the cash. myself yeah. on TV. I know what would happen is I would be the person that's on there. It's like, I'd know all the answers, but I would freeze and be like, um, two plus two, six. Right. I'm yes. ready. <laughs> Do over. Thank so you fun. so much for being here with us today and taking the time. Um, again, guys, you heard it. Go to downtownmemphis.com. Um, always the dot org and dot com. I'm I always know. like, which one is it? Dot com. You can download <laughs> the Groove on Demand Memphis, from the App yes. Store. Just yes. give it a search. And then also, guys, just go look into and keep up through the news of everything that's going on at the Downtown Memphis Commission. Yeah. They are always busy and thriving over there. So we are happy anytime we get to elevate that to our listeners. So yeah. thanks again. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> Welcome, Tiffany. How are you? I am well. So excited to be here. I am super excited to have you here. I have so many questions for you. All right. First of all, <laughs> buckle up. But before you know, we get into you living the dream of so many Memphians and working for the Grizzlies. I want to hear a little bit more about you know, kind of tell the listeners your story and how you ended up in Memphis. Yeah. Um, so I am a Memphian by choice. Love it. Uh, I am a native of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and so I'm actually. Um, going into my 10th season, we talk about we talk about things in terms of seasons yeah. here, um, which means I've been here nine years. Wow. Had no idea that I would be making a life in Memphis. Like, Memphis was not even on my radar, frankly. <laughs> I'm an East, yeah, like, I'm an East Coast girl. Um, Love the honesty. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, literally, my map was, like, East Coast, Texas, West Coast, nothing yeah. in between. And so uh, it still amazes me that I found myself here. Right. Um, but, you know, I always joke, I spent my uh, entire life in the gym, so to speak. My uh, father was a, um, a basketball coach um, and a coach for a high school. And so we did a lot of travel, a, a, a prep, even a basketball coach. And so we did a lot of travel across the country. Um, he coached a couple of notable uh, players, probably most notable, Tracy McGrady. And so I think that really, like, sparked my love yeah. for uh, for sports. And so, um, you know, I started off thinking, okay, I want to be a coach as well. Um, a great way <laughs> to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and I also found out really quickly my favorite uh, class was actually PE. I took all the PEs, <laughs> the advanced conditionings. That advanced sounds like my nightmare, exactly. Tiffany. That is my worst nightmare. <laughs> Yes, but I loved it. I got into it. And so I'm like, okay, great. I will be a PE teacher and a basketball coach and then potentially kind of work my way up to perhaps be an athletic director or something uh, of the sort. And so that was what I focused in on uh, in undergrad. I went to the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, um, and, you know, graduated with a teaching certification. But probably about a year into my program, I was like, you know what? I really want to work in professional sports. Mm. I actually always had the dream of uh, owning an NBA team. I knew nothing ah! about that, right? Like, yeah. kind of wasn't on the uh, on the level of affluence, right, right. to own a team. Um, but I thought, you know, that would be super cool. And Absolutely. So, um, and so I decided I wanted to work in, t- in the business of sports. So I realized, okay, all this teaching experience wasn't going to do anything for me. <laughs> and so I needed to go to grad school. <laughs> 
Um, and so I went to St. John's University uh, in New York City. New York was great because there um, were so many different professional sports teams and sport-related organizations in the area. And so I got the opportunity to intern um, pretty much everywhere that you would, you would want to if you were working in sports, right. uh, really to help kind of build uh, my resume. And so um, when I graduated, I um, was afforded a great opportunity to start my career off at the a Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, okay. okay. Casual Again, name. Right. Sign. You say that <laughs> now, but then it was, it was. lockout season. Ah. LeBron had just left. People were very <sighs> angry, still burning Everyone jerseys. Everyone was mad at Bron Bron at that point. Exactly. Oh, and shoot. I was working in sales. So cold calling people was just not, not Godspeed. it. Yeah. Godspeed, <laughs> Tiffany. <Yeah. laughs> But I knew I always knew I had this love for community. I really wanted to be in community, frankly. Um, but I knew I had to get my foot in the door some way. Yeah. Um, and so I chose uh, to work in group sales, thinking like, okay, I will at least be able to engage with the community. It wasn't quite what I thought. Um, but, you know, as I was looking, okay, for my next step, because Cleveland was, was just not it for me at the time, I saw a position uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies uh, Foundation. And so... I thought, wow, this position is uh, for the Grizzlies Foundation working on their brand new youth mentoring program. Um, and it was a perfect, you know, mix of my experience teaching, mm -hmm. my love of sport. I had done mentoring throughout college. I helped run a mentoring program in college and then also um, was a mentor myself. And so I was like, this has to be it. Well, I quickly found out that it actually was an AmeriCorps VISTA position. Okay. Um, and so if you're not familiar with AmeriCorps VISTA, amazing program. However, part of the sacrifice um, in helping to build capacity with nonprofit organizations is that you work on the poverty line. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I presented it to my mother who thought I had lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> you have done all, you've gone to school, like you've done all of this yeah. to get into pro sports and then you want to go back and work at the poverty line. I'm like, no mom, trust me, I think this is it. And so. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, Let I got be. it, I got it, yeah. right? Um, and so long story short, it paid off. Uh, and yeah. so I had the awesome privilege of helping to launch that program uh, with my then colleague, uh, Joel Katz, uh, who <laughs> was the initial VISTA. Um, and I was really blessed. You know, they were looking really to build out the work of the foundation. And I knew as long as my VISTA year went well, that there was likely a full-time position on the other side. Um, and so um, so I put my heart into it and, it, and it ended up being an amazing uh, experience. And so I spent seven years on that program really helping uh, to build and develop that program, which is um, a very unique program in terms of, of mentoring. And we'll probably talk about that in a second. You know we will. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but then had the opportunity uh, to transition into another role to help lead our uh, mentoring affiliate. And so uh, my work now allows me to work with various nonprofit organizations, particularly youth mentoring and youth development mm -hmm. organizations to really help build their capacity um, and support them in this youth mentoring uh, work. And so I, I just love it. I, I frankly love Memphis. I, I think I have a great appreciation for it, especially due to my time in Cleveland. Yeah. Not loving Cleveland, <laughs> right? Uh, 
<laughs> but Memphis has so much, um, so much life, so much culture, vibrancy. Uh, and then for me, what was most important is there was work to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while I think we've seen a lot of amazing strides in the Memphis community, there still continues to be work to be done. And so if you're working in this nonprofit sector, you really have the opportunity to make a difference, to really kind of push the needle and see the impact that you're making. Um, and so I think that's really what has, has kept me here and, and helped to fuel the work that I do. I mean, what a journey, Tiffany, you just took us on. I mean, (laughs) like, I have so many things. I was like, you you spoke to the power of internships, to like getting there and then just taking a leap of faith and taking that pay cut, much to your mom's detriment. She was like, no, ma'am. And you were like, yes, I'm doing it anyway. Uh, But like, I feel like, you know, you just touched on so many pieces and we're about to dive into all of them as we go. So you mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. Some of the people listening right now are like, we have a foundation. The Memphis Grizzlies exactly. have a foundation. They play basketball. Why do they have a foundation? Right. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Like so many people just associate the basketball style with the Grizzlies, but y'all are so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love to have any opportunity that I can yes. to share the message <laughs> of the, the Grizzlies foundation. Right. Exactly. And that is, that is our work. So, Um, The Grizzlies Foundation specifically is a philanthropic arm of the Grizzlies organization. Uh, Most uh, NBA teams really have some sort of community arm. We are very special in that we do have our community engagement department that does a lot of amazing work. Um, However, we like to look at it this way. We'll say that the community engagement department goes wide as the uh, foundation goes deep in the work. And so we are exclusively focused and dedicated on youth mentoring. Uh, We're actually fueled by our local ownership group who uh, really, you know, really has invested in this work and Mm -hmm. felt like this was a way to really make a difference in the community. And so we have a a direct service mentoring program. We're the only NBA team that runs a direct service mentoring program. Really? Yes. So uh, that's that's our, yes, our claim to fame, our signature program, which is the Grizzlies team mentor program. Mm -hmm. It matches three volunteers. Uh, with a group of six young people, and we generally refer to them as scholars, and they meet once a week, every week, uh, pretty much for the duration of the school year. And so it's activity and curriculum based. Uh, They have the opportunity to do a lot of cool things like service learning projects, create uh, plays, right? Really learn and grow together over the course of um, those two years they spend together in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, And then we also house where I um, uh, lead is our affiliate mentor Memphis Grizzlies and so we are the Tennessee State affiliate of mentor the national mentoring partnership Uh, we love that partnership they currently cover uh, about 27 states and growing Uh, but we've been a partner for quite a while now and again we support uh, currently about 50 uh, youth mentoring and youth development organizations Frankly, yeah. uh, we our height was probably a 70 yeah. due to the pandemic. A few programs have had to kind of dial back. And so we're pushing uh, to to uh, to get that number up. You know, so I love sharing this because one, uh, we're always recruiting volunteers for right. that signature mentoring <laughs> program. Right. We need volunteers. But also as people are working with young people, we want to bring them into our network because we are able to provide uh, best practice training. So we disseminate. Uh, new research and new best practices from Mentor National down to the local level through our training institute. Uh, we provide technical assistance or consulting services for those nonprofits. So let's say 
they want to build a, a mentoring program from scratch or mm-hmm. they want to work on an element of that mentoring program like um, better screening practices right. or helping to recruit um, strong volunteers. We support with that. And then we also serve as a funder. Uh, and that's probably what most people know about mm-hmm. the Grizzlies Foundation. And so uh, partners that are, are a part of Mentor Memphis Grizzlies are eligible to receive funding from the Grizzlies Foundation in order to, again, build capacity in that youth mentoring space. So that's kind of the work we do and and where we operate and really appreciate the opportunity to share this message far and wide because we want more businesses and organizations and individuals to get involved in supporting the work. Okay, so I have two questions. (laughs) One is the why. So why is it so important? Why is mentorship so important? Yeah, I think... Um, You know, I will say when I started, mentoring sounded like this magical concept, right? (laughs) Frankly, like, let's be real. You hear about mentoring, right? You hear about these amazing. Absolutely. And so, boom, you put an adult with a kid and magic happens, right? All of their problems go away. Not the the case. (laughs) Exactly. That's not quite how it works. Although there's certainly a magic of mentoring. However, um, we know that mentoring really, truly can make a difference in the life of a young person, but there has to be a lot of intentionality that goes into that. Um, And so we have found that um, when mentoring is integrated in some of the other research-based reforms, it really can do things like uh, reduce poverty, which we know to be a challenge here in Memphis. Mm -hmm. It can reduce chronic absenteeism um, or truancy, again, something that we're faced with here in Memphis. Um, And on the other hand, you know, really increase those positive behaviors, healthy decision making, increasing academic performance, increasing um, the likelihood of a young person to go to college, to be a leader, to invest in their community. Uh, And so it's not a, you know, be all end all to all of our problems. The beauty is when you layer it into uh, other things, it really amplifies the impact of whatever that that is, right? And so we also know that mentoring can be for everybody. A lot of times we think it's only for a certain segment of young people. Um, But if you ask your average adult who their mentor is, they probably have an answer for that. And so we know that if young people are connected with adults at a very young age, it can Mm -hmm. really help increase their upward mobility, right? It can help them Uh, develop a web of developmental relationships, which simply means I have people that I can call when I need something, right? Whether it's to put my resume on the desk of the hiring manager or to connect me with someone who does what I want to do in the future or Mm -hmm. just simply there to offer like advice and guidance, that kind of thing. So we know it really can touch a lot of people. And so that's why we've, we've really made it our mission to do what we call close the mentoring gap. So ensuring that any young person who wants to have a mentor in their life has the ability to have one. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you hit on all of the copious reasons (laughs) why mentorship is. I was like, Anna said she had two questions. (laughs) Yes. So that was fabulous. Thank you. And the second one is how. So how does someone become a good mentor or become a good mentee? Because like you said, it's not just showing up and expecting that like lightning will strike in a bottle like every single time you put a mentor and a mentee together. What 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 are some of the best practices that y'all have found in your research that make a good mentor and on the flip side, make a good mentee? Like the mentee has to be ready to and willing to accept like help and, you know, all those other things that you said. Absolutely. So from the mentor standpoint, I think just 
um, a willingness is a great place to start, right? Like we don't want someone that we had to drag into. Right. <laughs> like here's your mentor. Right. Love it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and that really, you know, from from both perspectives, mm-hmm. I think applies. But for um, for mentors, uh, unfortunately, a lot of folks think that they've got to reach like this certain height in in their yeah. life, right? They've got to have it all together. They got to be this perfect person, making all the money, you know, working the best job, right? And that's really not what we're looking for. Um, we're looking for people who, frankly, just care, who are willing to invest that time and energy, uh, and do it consistently. Uh, I think that's the the the, the big the key, yeah, right? right? Like the point of emphasis, like being willing to show up when it's challenging, right? When that relationship didn't start in the way that you anticipated uh, and put the work in, right? Being that dependable uh, adult for a young person. And then I think as with everything, like being open to learning, to growing, a lot of times mentors come in thinking that they have to have all of the answers, Mm -hmm. right? And so that in essence closes that adult off to what they are able to receive and learn. So we're big on training, being willing to go to those trainings just like you want professional development for your job, we want you to grow as a volunteer mentor. Um, and being, you know, again, just just willing to put the effort in long term, ideally. So we ask for generally a minimum of a year commitment, but we've seen uh, programs that have mentors for like 15, 20 years, like our friends at, at Big Brothers Big Sisters, yeah. which is an amazing partner of ours. And so you know, I think it's just being willing to be open and sharing your experiences, not putting on a facade like, again, right. you have it all together. But, hey, I made mistakes. I learned, right, the hard way sometimes. Yeah. I've grown. I've developed. Um, and I just want to be able to share that with you and support you in your interests, whatever your goals or objectives are, right, help you um, reach those. From a mentee's perspective, I think the biggest thing in my experience um uh, is really them understanding what what mentoring is, right? I can think back to uh, to early in my time at the Grizzlies. We had a, a partner school, um, KIPP, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I really loved interacting with the students. But in this case, you know, we were having some issues. The young people weren't quite as receptive. Um, and really what we found out is their perception of a mentor was that of a teacher. Now, no knock on mm. the educators. We love you, right? <laughs> um, but their perception was these people are here because they're paid to be right. here because they're forced to be here. And so really just unpacking what it meant to have a mentor um, really kind of opened the doors for those mentoring relationships. And whereas those young people were closed off, once we were able to explain that these people are just here because they care, right? Mm-hmm. They're not getting paid. They're not getting compensated. They chose to do this. Um, and the young people were far more receptive and then realized, okay, this person really can help me. And so let me make the best of, of this opportunity and this experience to have an extra adult in my life uh, to walk with me throughout whatever it is that I'm facing. So, you know, I think those two things are really, really key for, uh, for mentors and mentees. You are amazing at answering these questions, <laughs> Tiffany. Like, you are knocking it out of the park. Thank you. But I feel like that's very true is that, you know, forge, there's something to be said, right, about forging your own path. But 
what if you don't have to? Like, what if you have access to someone who has gone that path before you and can kind of help you and walk you through it? I think people, especially students, it's hard to sometimes see how valuable that is, right? And so, but also to adults too, to your point, they think, oh, I've got to have it all figured out and I've got to be in a nice little package bow. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you just have to be willing to give your time and your experience. Absolutely. I mean, come on, we all know mentorship, you spoke to it a little earlier, but all the things that helps lead to. So I'm curious a little bit though, I know that this is something you've probably heard a million times, people's hesitancy is always, I don't know that I have time to be a mentor. Like, how do you tackle that for somebody who has this inherent want to do it? They want to be a mentor, but they're scared that they don't have the capacity or the time. Yeah, I think, well, one of the beauties of the pandemic, right, um, is that we have approached different ways to Mm. mentor. Um, And so while there were tons of of methods to mentoring, I will particularly highlight mentoring in a virtual space. And we're seeing a lot more of that lately. Um, And so it really cuts out a a bit of the time in terms of travel, right? Making your way, let's say it's a school-based mentoring program. You park, you got to get in the school, go through school (laughs) security, et cetera. Um, And so it makes it far more accessible and easy to fit Uh, in your schedule. However, uh, most of us are still a fan of in-person experiences. Mm -hmm. I think mentoring is no different. Our kids prefer to be uh, in person uh, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, what I tell folks is that it's really generally just an hour a week, right? And if you think about that, that is nothing, Mm -hmm. right? Our, Our basic commitment is an hour a week. And just thinking about the investment that hour a week really makes um, in the life of of a young person, right? Thinking long-term, you know, what that can do, who that person, young person could be in their future. You know, I think it just, it does take a little bit of sacrifice, especially for a working professional, but it's well worth the time. Uh, And one of the things that I really think is important to note is Um, It would be much easier, right, if uh, all of our amazing businesses and organizations (laughs) here in Memphis allowed their employees paid time to volunteer. We've got Mm -hmm. a few great partners who allow that, who are are truly invested in the work in order to allow their employees to do that. And it makes a world of difference because, frankly, most of our mentoring programs operate in that after-school space. Well, for many of us, that's still during the workday. Um, But if you allow that employee that time to just leave just a little bit early uh, to spend time with a young person, not only is that young person receiving the benefits, but your employee is happy, right? They have something to do. They're better invested in the community. They then feel like your organization uh, is investing in the community. There's a number of really, really great benefits uh, to be able to do that. And so we encourage, you know, anyone to consider how does it work for you? We have weekends and evening opportunities, community-based programs like Youth Villages or Big Brothers, Big Sisters, where you may pick up that young person and you guys can go do whatever you want to do out in the community. We have more school-based opportunities like our Grizzlies um, Team Mentor Program or some that are more site-based or perhaps virtual or hybrid, um, like our partners over at at Code Crew, right? Um, And so we can find something that works for you. Please don't let that be an excuse. You can have it your way at Mentorship. (laughs) Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, look, they're laying out everything on a platter for you. That's it. That is it, yes. So we pride ourselves in really having a very diverse and unique mentoring opportunities 
because we know it's not one size fit all, fits all for right. the mentee, nor is it for the mentor. So we'll find something that works for you. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, that's the most important thing is like, I feel so often people feel like they're being pushed into this box, kind of like we talked about, but you guys are really setting the stage where it's like, no, you got the time. I will make it work for you Absolutely. in some capacity. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, so this is something I always like to ask when people do the kind of work you do and lead is you've seen, you've been in this work for a while now, so you've seen so many stories and relationships formed. What's one of your, or two if you have them, like one of your favorite stories of the work you've done? Ooh. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. You gotta like roll, so, I know, I know, I'm really, <laughs> I'm rolling back. So I can think, you know, part of my role now work more so with, uh, with programs, right. right? And so I don't have as much of that. that in, yes, yes, interaction. So I volunteer myself, right? You gotta practice yeah. what you preach. Um, but I can think back to my time working with the Grizzlies uh, team mentor program. And, um, you know, I think of like how we take simple things for granted. So I can recall uh, a time where a, a young man, we have again, this team mentoring model. So it's a group, right? Uh, and one of the young men uh, was really like being picked on, right? Um, the guys were going in on him, particularly, you know, due to his like scraggly facial hair. So these are like, middle school high school students oh, still, yeah. yeah like it's a tough time exactly, for everybody exactly very very awkward time in life and they're still trying to figure it out yeah. um and so you know one of the mentors you know took it upon himself to really kind of connect deeper right. with that that young person um and uh he realized that part of why he had this like you know, rough appearance was he did not have um, a male role model or a father figure in his life and knew nothing about shaving, right? Mm -hmm. Like how simple yeah. is that? So that mentor then, you know, of course asking, hey, is this okay? Went out, bought all the necessary materials, took the young man in the bathroom, taught him how to shave, potentially like changed his life, right? right. There's one less thing for me um, to worry about. And so I think sometimes we think it's got to be these like, crazy deep you know things philosophical that we do. yeah right. no but like sometimes it's just those practical things that um that young people are are missing yeah um another thing i you know he is he's my guy so shout out to <laughs> one of our previous uh mentees uh i've taken him kind of along the journey with us his name is is calvin um really a, an amazing young man memphian loves memphis uh to death but really has um, an amazing journey, an amazing story. Uh, I connected with him in his young ages uh, in our mentoring program, but has had multiple touch points with other organizations uh, within the city, Memphis Inner City Rugby uh, being one of those. Mm. But, you know, he came from a very challenging childhood, uh, had a very strong relationship with his parents, grew up uh, with his grandmother, father was incarcerated. Um, and so he is just like, one of the examples of what mentoring really can do for a young person in many different facets, right? It's not just one mentor because, you know, he had Mr. Freddie initially, <laughs> uh, Joel, our previous coworker, right? I like to think that I can support him as a mentor as well. His coach is at Memphis Inner City Rugby, but really like latched on uh, to rugby, became his claim to fame, a superstar, ended up, you know, getting scholarships to go to, to college to play rugby, came Dang. back and graduated from University of Memphis. He now speaks to young people. He advocates on behalf of 
like making it out of whatever your circumstances are mm -hmm. um, to present day. And so, uh, you know, I'm always commenting on his his uh, his Facebook uh, post, just like <laughs> cheering him on because he's doing such great work. And so, uh, again, I think there's tons of stories out there. Right. Calvin is just one that comes mm -hmm. to mind immediately. But so many young people who have gone on to do amazing things that we had the the privilege and the honor of being connected to. Yeah. I like how in his specific case, and I feel like I'm sure that this is like a model for across, the, but how you said the team model is that it's like a group. But I feel like in addition, like in Calvin's case, like he had a team of mentors over Absolutely. his years. It's not just one person, which I think goes back to the, the fear, I think, of becoming a mentor is like I have to be the end all be all for Absolutely. this person. I have to have all the answers. I have to be so equipped. And if I'm not equipped, then I just shouldn't do it at all. Exactly. And in his case, it was a perfect example of how all these people came together to create that web that helped him have his success and help well not helped him, but you know, like aided that. Right. Absolutely. You know, they, they always say it takes a village and that is so true. And I think even in the case of mentoring, when you think of that traditional one-on-one -on -one model. Yes, that's wonderful, but you're really bringing your village along with you to support mm -hmm. this young person, right? And not just the young person, right? They have a family, they may have siblings, right. I, you know, they've got cousins or other folks that they're connected to, which I think is the beauty of our work in nonprofit that we don't just serve, you know, that one individual. We've got to wrap our arms around this young person and their family and serve all of their needs. And so, you know, when you bring someone along uh, with you, you know, really can increase the impact that you're able to have and it takes the pressure off of you. You don't feel like you're doing it uh, alone. You've got other people pouring in uh, to young people, which is why we need more folks to yes. get involved, right? Well, that cues us up. Exactly. It, the people that are listening are like, I want to be a mentor. I think I could do this. Like Tiffany has sold me because she is just so energetic and enthusiastic. And this work is freaking amazing. Like, where do they go? How do they start? Well, I would say the first place you start is grizzliesfoundation.org. Grizzliesfoundation.org uh, is where you can sign up. We have a number of uh program partners that are listed on the website so you can get an idea of the organizations that you might be working with uh, it's a really mentoring season yes the basketball season yeah. is starting <laughs> right but along the same time mentoring is launching so there are tons of programs that are looking to fill those last minute slots so don't push it off right uh, go ahead and sign up today at grizzliesfoundation.org if you want to like peek into what mentoring looks like what services we offer who our, our partners are and what their look their work looks like um, you can follow us at Grizz Community on Facebook Twitter and Instagram yeah, we're always sharing their stuff yes guys. I know that's why we love New Memphis <laughs> <laughs> um, at Grizz Community, if you missed it, show us some love there, like, share. Um, I will also say uh, that if you want a sneak peek again into uh, the intricacies of the work that we do, we actually have a little Facebook Live segment that we do called Coffee and Conversations. And so we have some featured programs on there that really talk about the work that they do, right? Not just mm. the headlines, right? But digging deep into right, the work that they yeah. do. And so that's a good place for you to learn more about those different types of programs. Love all of that. And so New Memphians, if you are listening to this podcast, you're a member of the New Memphis Network. We are partners with yes. the Grizz Foundation and the work they are doing at the Mentor Memphis Grizzly. So if you heard this and you're like, I'm interested, 
you know what to do. Send us an email. You can send it right now to info at newmemphis.org. And we'll get back to you and connect you with Tiffany and get you all set up to be a mentor and live out your best dreams, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think this is my biggest takeaway from this is that I think people forget that you are a mentor just because of who you are. Absolutely. So like every day in your life, no matter where you are, you have the opportunity to exercise that with those who are coming up in the world. And even people that may be, sometimes you can end up mentoring people who are older than you. I think it's that, that relationship, right? The mentor mentee relationship is about learning on both sides. Absolutely. Because Lord knows as an adult, (laughs) we do not have it figured out at all. Not at all. Not at all. So guys, Please, if you want to learn more, you can visit the website, grizzliesfoundation.org. You can visit them on social at Grizz Community and the cool coffee and conversations, which I just learned about. So, you know, the more you know. Where's the shooting star? I need <laughs> oh, no, I don't have it. I'll have, uh, well, we, again, soundboard needs. Right. Um, but no, Tiffany, thank you so much for taking the time to come share this with us today. No problem. So honored to be here. New Memphis has been a great partner of ours. I do have to shout out all of Please. the New Memphis alum that volunteered here we have tons right it's been um, great having them especially the new memphians and helping them to connect into the community so we are so grateful for you all and the work that you do and how you partner with us thank you mentorship is the gift that keeps on giving guys so you know the way to get involved tiffany it will be more than happy to accept your time so thank you again and have a great day thank you bye Okay, guys, what another amazing episode filled day here at Meanwhile in Memphis. I am always floored by just what is happening in the city and the talent that's behind it. It always makes me so energized and excited to know what is going on and what everybody is doing to problem solve to make our city even better than I already believe it to be. Exactly. And who doesn't love to start their morning that way? Thank you guys so much for listening. So I think this is a great spot as any to end it on today, A.T. I know. I hope the rest of your Tuesday is as magical as this hour has been. Yes. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.